the Center for Interfaith Cooperation in Indianapolis, Indiana, is dedicated to building peaceful dialogue among and between different faith communities with the help of a diverse board of faith leaders who have incredible stories that inform their interfaith work. Today, I have the executive director of the Center for Interfaith Cooperation, Charlie Wiles, with me. And to start things off, we're going to get a little brief history of the Center for Interfaith Cooperation and the purpose behind it and everything. So welcome, Charlie. Thank you, Rachel. And um, yeah, it's really an honor to be here and to be starting these podcasts where we can really collect people's stories for what religion means to them and how that religious identity intersects or interwines with other people's religious identities. Yeah, definitely. I know I've enjoyed my time with the Center for Interfaith Cooperation, and I would love to hear more about the history and the purpose um, that you see behind it. Great. Yeah, I was the director of an organization called Peace Learning Center prior to the Center for Interfaith Cooperation, where we really explored um, conflict in a lot of different dimensions. So where conflict comes from, how we manage conflict successfully or not. We always said that violence was one way to address conflict, but what are other ways and what are the consequences of trying to engage other ways? What could we learn um, and how would that uh, benefit our own lives and also benefit the communities we live in? So from that experience, I became very interested in religion and what role religion plays, particularly in conflicts around the world, but also just in own personal conflicts. As we try to understand, I always say religion gives us an opportunity to really try to explore what is our relationship with the cosmos? Why are we here? Mm -hmm. Uh, Why were we born? Why do we die? Uh, What is our relationship with our sisters and brothers, mothers and fathers? Um, And then when you look collectively, what is our relationship with the community at large, with government? Um, And then how do we relate to the other faith communities that are uh, in our community? So that's, that's essentially where it started. Where does religion and conflict and how we organize ourselves as people, um, where do those fit together? Mm -hmm. Interesting. And what part of your story do you think shaped your interest in just interfaith and understanding this conflict and getting through it with people who may have different views than yourself? Well, that's an excellent question. I think it started with my grandparents. So I was born, uh, my mother had a grandfather who was from Lebanon in the Middle East, a beautiful country didn't become Lebanon until the end of the Ottoman Empire, around the end of the uh, First World War. Uh, But I was always fascinated by that, going to my grandfather. His name was George Parker. Um, His family name was Abu Faisal. Um, So I did a lot of exploration and understanding, you know, when did his father come to the United States? Why did they come to the United States? I learned a lot about Lebanese culture, particularly through the foods. Whenever Mm -hmm. we would have a big meal at Grandpa Parker's house, um, there was a lot of what I called ethnic food. At the time, when I was a child growing up, it was just like, it was normal, right? Everybody had a Lebanese grandpa, and my uh, father's side, my grandmother and grandfather on my father's side, my uh, name is Wiles, is kind of Scottish and Irish, and their family didn't, their history didn't go back too far. Uh, He was a big fan of baseball. He distributed beer, lived on the south side of Indianapolis. (laughs) But Grandpa Parker and Grandma Parker Genevieve were different. Um, So I think that was the beginning part of understanding diversity um, just within my own family and then as I grew older and recognized that other kids didn't have Lebanese grandfathers or grandmothers Mm -hmm. um, that they had that their uh, lives were a little different the foods that they ate were a little different and so that I guess started to be part of my identity Um, and then as I grew older and started uh, 
Jesuit high school on the north side of Indianapolis, I met some Jewish friends. And I would go over to their house, and then I would hear stories about the Middle East that were much different than the stories hmm. that I heard yeah. at Grandpa Parker's house about the Middle East. And growing older, got involved in politics and got interested, again, in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict in particular, but really the Middle East as a whole and how that all fit together. And I was always curious about identity. Um, it wasn't until I was 20 years old that I actually traveled to the Middle East, and I was fascinated by the people I would meet. Some would begin telling me their story through their religious identity. Some would begin by talking about their ethnic identity, whether they were Arab or Jewish or uh, Phoenician or uh, all the different Turkish. Um, and then others would begin by talking about their national identity. I am Israeli. I am Lebanese. I am Jordanian. Um, and so those identities, I think, really struck a chord. And I, again, began to explore my own identity uh, and my own faith tradition. I grew up Catholic, so I started to mm -hmm. take that a lot more seriously and wanted to understand the history of that and why did I end up becoming Catholic and exploring that with my parents and my family. And so I think that's kind of the, the birth, at least for my own curiosity and, and why I was interested in forming something called the Center for Interfaith Cooperation. Yeah, definitely. That's really cool. So looking at Catholicism and interfaith, do you think that you have this basis of Catholicism that has then been shaped by various faith traditions or do you still... Like, how does this community, I guess, faith, your faith, face, or mm -hmm. <laughs> shape your faith yeah. and um, the way you perceive others? Another good question, because as I explored my Middle Eastern roots, um, talked to my father about, you know, he, he actually converted to a Catholic. His grandparents were Seventh-day Adventists, or his grandmother. He said his grandfather didn't want to have anything to do with religion. Um, we just had this conversation the other day. But mm -hmm. that his grandmother was very devout Seventh-day Adventist, and they studied the Bible, that in fact she could quote the Bible almost verbatim at any time. And he was very impressed by that. And he would go to the Bible study meetings. And he remembered they always had really good food and a lot of good fellowship. And so um, even though he never took a real deep interest in the Bible, and like I said, when he started uh, elementary school, he was at a Catholic school downtown Indianapolis, and he converted to Catholicism. My mother on the other side, the Lebanese side, my great-grandmother was Maronite Christian, and they are a sect in the Middle East that identifies with the Vatican. Uh, the Pope is not their patriarch, but they do identify with the Vatican. And then my great-grandfather uh, was a Orthodox, and the Orthodox have their own way of organizing that's mm -hmm. outside of the Catholic Church or the Pope. Um, but everyone in the family said great-grandma Parker, or actually her name was Susie Frigi, um, had the strong will. And when they came to the United States, that's why they ended up following the Maronite tradition of connecting with a Catholic community rather than an Orthodox community. And so that, all, that story always fascinated me. So I was really curious of uh, my Catholic roots. You know, when I was 14, I stopped going to Catholic church. As a child, I was enamored by Native American culture, and I always romanticized Native Americans. I loved moccasins, and I loved being outdoors. I built tents in the backyard. I <laughs> built fires. I loved camping and hiking. I just loved nature, and I thought Native Americans were, I identified very much with nature. Even moved to Arizona to go to college um, when I first started college in Flagstaff, Arizona, um, but stopped going to church, and it wasn't until I came back, uh, honestly, and um, after I started doing the interfaith work and became interested in people's Again, how their identities, um, how their uh, how their relationship to the cosmos was formed by their religious identities, and and even the Native Americans that I I lived in a group home with several different Native American friends when I was in Arizona, and fascinated with their creation stories and their rituals and their practice and how they uh, how that informed you know again how they lived their lives, um, and so it wasn't until my mother died five years ago that I actually started going back to Catholic Church 
um, on a regular basis. I became a, a what I call a practicing Catholic. And my interfaith experience really did help form that because I was very curious about the liturgy. You know, why do we start our prayers like this? Why do we, what are the sacraments? You know, where do they come from? What, what, how historically, going to visit some of my Jewish friends, going to the synagogue, a big thing the Center for Interfaith Cooperation does is host what we call sacred places tours. And we go to different houses of worship. We typically have a docent or someone knowledgeable clergy that will lead us on a tour and answer questions. And so I was very curious about the, the Torah and the Ark of the Covenant, which is on the Bema in a synagogue, and to be able to go up and open that and see this is where our story begins as Christians through the story of Abraham, or honestly, through Genesis, through Adam and Eve, and then through Abraham, um, through Exodus, and then to Abraham. And so I just found that very fascinating. And um, watching a Shabbat service gave me a lot of insights in how Christian services are organized uh, because there's just a very deep connection um, you know and, and so that, that has just really enriched my journey I, I, I'm really fascinated by the I say the Hebrew Bible some people say the Old Testament and how the Hebrew Bible connects through the prophets to Jesus Christ the Messiah and um, and I became much more of a follower of Jesus Christ through my interfaith work and then reclaiming my Catholic identity and going to church with my father which I've been doing faithfully for the last five years. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So it sounds like your work with interfaith has strengthened your faith as a Catholic, which is interesting. Have there been moments where it's challenged what you've thought and made you question your faith and your beliefs? Very much so. You know, I used to say, I used to, when people ask, I used to say, oh, I come from a Catholic community. I'm a product of a Catholic community because I wanted to to give a lot of credit to the way my parents raised me and the faith of my parents. And now I say I'm a Christian that practices a Catholic tradition because I see all the different denominations, Christian denominations, whether that is one of the mainline Protestant, Presbyterian, Methodist, Episcopal, or Catholicism, or the unaligned evangelical movement, we're all followers of Jesus Christ. And he is our, our teacher. I call him our guru. He's the one who teaches us I think how to live live our lives, particularly through his example and through the word. I love the concept that the word became flesh through the through the gospels. Um, quite often, I'm challenged by the Catholic Church as an institution. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've learned about my interfaith, Rachel, is that all the different faith traditions are human institutions. Right? Mm -hmm. We had a wonderful uh, nun, Sister Norma Rockledge, who was one of our first uh, Center for Interfaith Cooperation board members. In one of our trainings, she said. I'm pretty sure God was here before there was ever a mosque or a synagogue or a church or any temple that was there to worship mm -hmm. him. And I can even use uh, gender neutral language. I don't think God, I think God transcends gender from my perspective. Or yeah, again, a big part, of, big part of how I follow my Christian understanding is I don't have a firm grasp of who God is or how God represents. I look at almost every part of creation and say that's a miracle that was given to us by God. So I see God in everything. Um, mm -hmm. But I have a hard time actually articulating, this is God, this is the message. The one thing I love about Jesus Christ and his teaching is, the other thing that Jesus said was so important when the scribes challenged him was to love God with all your heart, soul, mind. and uh, But he also said, love your neighbors yourself. And that's the part that I can, I can take to heart. And I can go out and love my neighbors, and my neighbors of all faiths, of all stripes, of non-believers and believers, and try to understand this massive con uh, creation um, that I'm a part of. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's how I try to understand uh, my relationship with Jesus Christ is through my relationship with my neighbors. And so that helped me shape it because the Catholic Church, time and again, there are very challenging and troubling things that come from the Catholic Church, most recently, all the abuse scandals and how they've been covered up. And so that human institution, I have a lot of um, concerns about, doubts yeah. about, but I decided that I would like to be a change from a change agent from within the Catholic Church as opposed mm-hmm. to outside. Um, being critical. So I I am a Catholic. I own that. I want to make the Catholic Church a better institution, more true to the word, the way I understand the message of Jesus Christ. And so I've picked Catholicism as a vehicle for me to try to understand and live my relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely understand (laughs) that. I feel like I come from a similar viewpoint of just being uncertain in my faith, which I'm completely comfortable with, mm-hmm. in the fact that, like, my faith, there's no way, in my opinion, to know that it is the complete truth, that that is, like, there's a heaven, like, being a Christian, all of this, but saying that somebody else is wrong, like, I just don't understand how you can do that if it's just built on uncertainty, and mm-hmm. I think that's the point of faith in general, yeah. is to take that step and invest in something that is so uncertain. Once you become certain about it then it's no longer faith i call it mystery i yeah. you know when I, when someone asks me who is god what is god um i say that's the mystery right that's that i'm trying to unfold and trying to unfold it again by following the example of jesus christ and of the two messages that he said were most important or the two laws that were most important the one that i can follow is love my neighbor as myself mm-hmm. and i fall short every day but that's why i love for instance the lord's prayer which again was handed down through our Jewish tradition. Jesus Christ was a wonderful, a, a, a follower of the Jewish tradition. He was a good adherent of Judaism when he lived here on the earth. So I'm sure that prayer, when the disciples asked him, how should we pray to God? And he gave them the Lord's Prayer, that came from Jewish tradition. Yeah. So again, part of that lineage. And I love it to forgive me for the things that I've done that are wrong and the things that I failed to do that I could have done much better. Um, and that is mm-hmm. that is a daily, daily lesson yeah. <laughs> for me. No, I completely understand. And then, too, so some listeners may or may not have access to an interfaith community to uncover these differences and interconnectedness, too, like with the Lord's Prayer. So what would you say to somebody who sees somebody of a different religion as another, as Mm. an other? Mm -hmm. Um, And coming from a Catholic perspective, what would you say to de-other Catholicism, mm. if that makes sense. It does, What it are does. some common misconceptions? Yeah, so how could people be comfortable trying to learn from and understand Catholicism? And yeah. how would a person who follows a tradition deeply and faithfully engage someone else and learn about their tradition? I think a lot starts with curiosity. We've been talking about this a lot lately because of the heated rhetoric that's in our society and some of the divisions, mm-hmm. and we've seen them, you know, god-awful violence that's been created. Some people saying in the name of religion, whether that comes from, mm-hmm. you know, Muslim tradition or Catholic tradition or Jewish tradition, and, and we see it everywhere. Everywhere, it's it's just so um, uh, disparaging. Um, but I think one thing, and this is something I've noticed about most of the folks, and we have nine different distinct faith traditions on the CIC board of directors, and then denominations. We probably have twenty-five different denominations, so it's a rich uh, gathering of people from all different traditions. But I think the one thing that's required, and you mentioned it to it earlier, I think if your faith doesn't teach you humility, then you probably would not have much interest in learning about other faith traditions or learning about um, or being part of a center for interfaith cooperation. 
But I do feel like one of the first things I learn from my faith is humility, that I am a mortal human being, that mm -hmm. I have a limited time on this planet to be in this uh, dimension of creation. Um, and then again, to love my neighbor as myself requires humility. Um, so I think that's one of the ways that you could approach learning about someone's other, uh, someone else's faith tradition and just simply asking, you know, what is the joy of your tradition? What are your rituals? Why do you practice them? What does that mean when you put the, you know, the Hindus put a bindi on there, a small mm -hmm. dot on their forehead? And if you can approach someone with humility, I think they can really tell uh, that, that you're curious and you just want to learn. Yeah. Um, I just went to a Diwali celebration on a request of someone who had visited one of our programs and said, come, come to the Diwali. That's the Hindu New Year. It's the Festival of Lights, a lot of food. And, um, and I, it, it just felt so warm and, and inviting to be inside their temple to see all these amazing sights and sounds and colors and all the different statues and how they, how they see the divine manifest on this planet. And they offered me all kinds of wonderful vegetarian food. And I just sat down and ate and I, and I soaked it all in. Um, I think that's probably one of the first steps is to be curious about someone else's tradition. And then once you've built trust and relationship, I bet they're going to be curious about what motivates you in your spirituality and your faith trust, faith um, journey. And I think that there's just so much to learn and to gain from one another um, if you can approach it that way. Yeah. So looking at Catholicism, from your view, how would you define it? Catholicism... <laughs> So I think there was a big kind of split in the 12th, 14th century um, when, you know, there, there was not always, uh, a church was not always defined as a brick and mortar building. The traditions of priests, I think, came along um, sometime late, maybe a millennia ago, millennia ago. Um, so I think to, to go back to Catholicism, just go back to Peter, you know, and, and how uh, just spreading the word and, and building a church is having organized groups of people. I truly believe in Luke's story, the Easter story, the resurrection story where Jesus came back and told the gathering where two or more gather in my name, that's me. So I, I when I try to understand the Trinity, um, I see, you know, God again as this infinite being with no beginning and no end. And again, something I'll think I'll spend the rest of my life trying to understand and comprehend mm -hmm. and the beauty, all that creation provides. Jesus as the messenger, Jesus as the ultimate prophet, Jesus as, again, the guru, someone that you could model your life after and follow his example. And then when we put our hands together, when we put our hearts and minds together and try to create a better community, a better society, when we try to help someone else, then we are the active spirit that's part of that trinity. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I see the Catholic Church now when it started to form in Europe during tribal times, before there were nation states, before there were governments, people gathered around the church as a way to build community, a way to keep records of births and deaths, as a way that you would be able to provide charity or the way that you would be able to, um, again, atone for your sins and, and, and a way to organize your life and understand what is my role as a human being on this mm -hmm. planet, again, my relationship with the cosmos. So I think that Catholic, the church uh, in general and the Catholic church at the time became the dominant force for that. And as they started to build big temples with gold and high spires and everything, I think that was just a very attractive force and still is today. People mm -hmm. try to build bigger churches or bigger mosques or bigger synagogues um, to attract people. Uh, particularly, you think, before there was any type of entertainment, right? There was, what What did you do? That, I mean, it was the, the church was the attractive thing, that, and that's where righteous people went. So I think over time, and this is where I think it got a little corrupted, is that became powerful. That became this source of power. That became the source 
of money and and fi the finer things in life. And you can almost look back at some of the legacies of some of the popes. And I think human beings are easily seduced by power and money um, and all the things that that can bring in this planet. And so far be it from me to judge people, but I kind of see that's how, how uh, people organized and how power was wielded back in those days. Um, at some point, nation states were formed the Treaty of Westphalia. And you, you know the, the, the history of Europe coming out of the Middle Ages. Oh boy, in the terrible wars that were fought, uh, you know, um, because of all of that and the power structures. So I think that's where the Catholic Church uh, has failed sometime when they got too far involved in po politics and government. But I do feel uh, the message has always been the same. One of my favorite parts of our church services on Sunday is when we clasp hands at our church, we still hold each other's hand. Uh, I know my dad's going to be on one side. I don't know who's going to be on the other side. And I always find that kind of exciting. And we recite the yeah. Lord's Prayer. And the fact that that prayer has been recited, again, for millennia, for thousands of years, makes me feel connected to a tradition that goes back to Peter. And so that's how I like to use the Catholic Church. Now, the Vatican and Michelangelo and, you know, the Sistine Chapel and all that, uh, I think those are all beautiful things. I think those are creations that human beings have made to try to glorify God. Um, I think if you put too much stock in that, you're... For me, for my spiritual journey, uh, that's not the path that I want to follow. I want to follow the tradition um, where human beings come together in God's name and try to create a better community. Yeah, I like that focus on humanity. I think that's important um, because often I struggle with seeing these institutions and more or less corrupting religion for their own gains and their own agendas. Um, and sometimes that's where I lose faith. It's... Um, it, the focus, the shift of the focus just causes me to rethink my own um, Christianity and everything of that sort. So that's interesting that you brought that up, mm -hmm. too. But looking at just in general faith and Christianity, mm -hmm. um, are there some times that you may disagree with the institution or the faith itself or looking at what maybe leaders of these faiths are speaking towards and how do you reconcile with maybe the differences in your own beliefs and the other adherents of these faiths? Very difficult. Yeah, it's very difficult. And I think it's the constant challenge. And that's why I always try to go back again to what I say, the, the word became flesh. I try to go back to gospel. I love, I always feel like, and this is what I gained from my Jewish brothers and sisters, we come to church People go to synagogue to hear the word and to share the word and to celebrate the word. Because I don't know if you've, I'm not sure how your church liturgy is organized, but we go to Catholic church and we say a welcoming prayer and we kind of get established and everything. Everything leads up to when we open the gospel and read the word together as a group. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the climax. That's the penultimate reason for being there, sharing that gospel in a community. And then our priest, I, I like our priest, he does a very good job of trying to explain the word and how that word should help us become better human beings when we leave church <laughs> and for the week, the coming week, right? So that's what I see um, as, as the good thing, the challenging thing, um, like you said, when it becomes about judgment. And I'm as guilty as anybody, because as much as I want to say the institution is corrupted, uh, I see how the institution can be very good. And I contribute to the institution. I do make a very modest contribution every year to keep the church walls up and standing. Um, but I do get so challenged when I hear the bickering that goes on, uh, the accusations that are launched back and forth, um, the cover-ups that have happened because of the scandals, um, the fact that we will put more 
uh, time and energy into trying to sustain an edifice or a church or a building and not put that that focus on how can we create a better uh, society? How can't how, Why can't we share? I love the edicts that come from the Pope about how budgets are sacred things and that there should be no reason that someone would go hungry or lack health care or lack proper shelter in this mm-hmm. or education for young people. That shouldn't happen in this planet. And so we're, we're not fulfilling our ultimate purpose, I think, which is to create a better humanity. And so that's frustrating. I think the church could do a better job. I know I could do a better job. Um, I think our society and our government could do a better job. I'm hoping that our religious motivations, our religious teachings from all different groups, because I think all different groups say similar things, uh, we should be serving others. That's our ultimate goal as human beings, uh, can lead us to that point where we do form governments and we do challenge our religious and government leaders to say, let's get about the real business, um, not building buildings or bigger armaments or building walls around our community, but building uh, a better opportunity for everybody to have just a very basic, reasonable, healthy life where they can educate their children and contribute meaningfully and be taken care of uh, when they're no longer able. Mm -hmm. I like that. Refocus, for sure. Definitely. And kind of concluding, too, so looking at the Center for Interfaith Cooperation and say somebody wants to become involved... What are some of the best ways to do that? I think the best way, I mean, we have a website that's such a great way to communicate and people can kind of go on the website. It's pretty thick. It's got lots of things. We probably, we, one of our main mission statements is to promote anything in the community that's going on where people can feel comfortable to go and learn about another faith tradition. So whether that's a, a film, we do a film series, actually in conjunction with Butler University where we are today. Um, and the films have some type of religious dimension to them. After the film's over, we have a conversation. I know you led one of those one time. So we think that's one way someone could be interested and learn and talk to other people about some of the things they're curious about in their own spiritual journey and how they coincide with others. Uh, and we have everything to even more in depth uh, going to visit houses of worship. And we're about putting together a schedule for the spring uh, where people can visit different houses of worship. But forever, we, we had two Spirit in Place events last uh, month. Or I'm sorry, last week. One was religious women speaking out about how Uh, women's role in society and how that's an evolving role and some of the challenges that they're facing. We had another one just about food, just about the food hummus and how hummus is shared by many different cultures and they're from many different religions um, and how that can be contentious and how that can be very uh, a very nice way to bring people together to break bread at a table. And we explored both. So we do take on some of the edgy topics, but we try to do it through a common, um, you know, a, a common mechanism like food like religious practice, we try to celebrate different religions. Uh, As I mentioned, there was a Diwali um, celebration, the the Hindu New Year. We have a very vibrant Hindu community in Indianapolis, and it's a great way to visit and start a conversation with someone that that you know that might be Hindu or a neighbor or a coworker or someone at your school or someone um, on your soccer league Mm -hmm. or someone that you might run into at the grocery store. So again, we try to create lots of opportunities where people could start to explore the different religions um, that all call central indiana home and we really try to fashion it in a way where it it can enhance your own faith journey Um, and i think to a person anyone who visits and participates in our program says that was interesting that made me more curious about my own faith journey and had them become a deeper adherent in their own religion not necessarily challenge them to move to other i think that's a very very rare case when someone would visit one of our programs and then join a different faith tradition 
But if they do, more power to them. Yeah. Uh, but that, that is the rare, that is the very, very, I have, in fact, I've never heard it happen in the seven years that we've been mm-hmm. in existence. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And I know I really enjoyed my internship with the Center for Interfaith Cooperation and would recommend for anybody to um, come to any of the certain events that they put on. Um, but again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. At the Center for InterfaithCooperation.org, find ways to get involved and for more information. Thank you for listening.